Good evening. How are you today? Um, I'd like to welcome you to Lake Church tonight, and I would like to welcome those that are online um, viewing us. Um, if you're there, like us and share us with your friends so they can find us too. Um, we have a few announcements tonight. The first I would like to announce is Saturday. We are having a camp work day. So you guys come out, bring your weed eaters, bring your gloves, and come out to work. There will be donuts and coffee provided. <laughs> um, the time will be from 8 to 12. Um, ladies and youth, don't think that you can get out of it so easy. We have work for you to do there, too. You can come help uh, clean the bathrooms and get everything ready for our camp. Our camp starts June the 13th, so it's getting here really quickly. So you guys come out, help us, and let's get ready to touch some lives with these youth when they get there on the 13th. Also, we are having several fundraisers for our trip to the Dominican Republic. The teens are going to the Dominican Republic and they are having a tamale fundraiser. If you guys remember the last one, pretty awesome. So it's um, $25 for a dozen. A half a dozen is $13. And there should be some youth out in the foyer taking orders for those. They are prepay and pre-order only. Also, we have a missions table out there for the ladies' Dominican trip, and we are selling craft items. Go back and check us out. We also have a sign-up for homemade candy. If you guys remember some of the candy that we make for Christmas, well, we're doing it in the middle of the year just for this one-time special Dominican Republic trip. So you guys sign up. Um, candy orders will be delivered on June the 12th. And then... Um, that is all of our fundraisers. Um, so we will go on to our offering. Woohoo! Thank you, Wade. Okay, so I have a little story I want to tell you. I came across this today. You've probably heard it before, but I thought it was kind of cute, and I just wanted to share it with you. Um, there was a father, and he gave his daughter $2. And this is an old story, I know. But it was $2, and he said that she could spend one of those dollars any way she wanted to. But the other dollar belonged to God. So she was so excited, she took her $2, and she was running to the store, and she fell and tripped. And she dropped one of her dollars in the storage, the drainage, um, storm drain, sorry. <laughs> and she got up, and she looked up. And she said, well, Lord, there went your dollar. <laughs> and I wanted to share that with you because sometimes I think we do that. Sometimes we have every intention of giving God what's his in the first place, his 10% and then his offering. But life happens and um, we have a flat tire or we lose a job or we get a cut in pay. And instead of trusting God to provide for those things, we take it into our own hands, and um, I've been guilty of the same thing myself, and we try to think, well, I really, it won't hurt to skip tithe this month, you know, let's just wait, and, but we need to give God what belongs to him before we lose it. So in light of that, before you lose God's money, um, we're going to take up an offering. There are three ways that you can give. Um, there's envelopes in the back seats in front of you. Fill those out and drop them in the bucket in the back. There's also lake-church.com, or you can text to give. So if um, there's not any more announcements or anything, I think we're going to go ahead and pray for the offering. And then I'm going to turn it over to Jesse. 
Precious Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your blessings and your mercies. We thank you, Father, that we can trust you with those things that happen in our lives that, that we don't have the answers for, but we know that you do, Father. So as we give you our offering, Father, and our tithes, just pray that you would bless those and that you would um, multiply it for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Don't lose God's money. Amen. All right, before we get started, I want you guys to turn with me to Colossians chapter 3 in your Bible. And we're going to talk about some things tonight that uh, I've been meditating on personally. It's really been, uh, really been shaking me up. Uh, so I just want to say, first of all, thank you guys for letting me uh, speak into your lives this evening. Uh, I can see you on your faces. You're disappointed it's not Kevin or Pastor Greg. Well, that's too bad. So what we're going to talk about tonight, though, I promise you, you're going to like it. And so it's been a little while since I've been in the pulpit here. It's, it's a tremendous honor. I count it as a privilege. I do a lot of teaching in the Train Bible College, if you guys didn't already know that. A lot of my students will know that uh, it's not any big thing to go for a couple hours. Once I get started, I'm going to keep going. So... It's not a matter of whether or not I've got enough material. It's whether or not I can stop on time. Amen? So, praise the Lord. Well, so you guys are there, Colossians chapter 3. All right, tonight I want to talk about the question I've got for you this evening is, have you seen him? And before we really get started into that, I want to, uh, let's take some time to stand up together. And let's take a little bit of time to get our uh, focus off of what we did today, what we did yesterday, what we're going to do tomorrow. Let's take some time to set our focus, our affection, our attention on the Lord, and we'll get into the Spirit. Amen. You guys all right with that? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We take this time to give you praise just for who you are, Father, the great I Am, the Creator, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, the Star Breather. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus, we magnify you. We magnify your holy name. We lift you up and make your name great in our lives, greater than any circumstance or situation, any kind of symptom, any kind of anything that would bring itself into our lives that would try to dethrone you. And Father, we rebuke those things in Jesus' name. I come against any kind of attack of the enemy in this place tonight that would come to distract I cancel any assignment from the kingdom of darkness that would come and try to blind people or distract them or get them into their own heads and distracted from what's coming forth from the pulpit tonight. Father, we just want to give you praise. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Father. Worthy, 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 worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Infinite majesty, infinite wisdom. Father, you're all-powerful, all-knowing. Hallelujah. 
glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Those of you that are baptized in the Holy Spirit, just, just take a few moments to pray in your prayer language. Get yourself stirred up on the inner man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Father, we offer up ourselves as a living sacrifice tonight. We offer up our time where we could be somewhere else, but we want to be with you tonight. We thank you, Lord. Your word says where two or more are gathered in your name, you are in the midst of us, Father. And by faith, we see with our faith eyes, you are here. You walk amongst the candlesticks, Father. Lord, we thank you for your anointing. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you for unction, Father. And Holy Spirit, we draw upon that anointing. We make a demand on what belongs to us, and that is the truth, the truth, the truth, Father. We thank you, Lord, that your Spirit is truth. And where your spirit is, there is freedom, Father. The truth that we know sets us free, Father. It's not just a ritual. It's not just something else that we put on our schedule. But, Father, tonight we come to you because we want more. We want more. We want more. Hallelujah. We want to know you. We want to see you. We want to experience you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, Father, as we approach your word this evening, I thank you, Holy Spirit, for revelation. I thank you that you cracked this thing open for us so that what we see we cannot shake loose of in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father, that as we go forth with the truth that you reveal to us tonight, our lives are changed and not just for our own benefit, Father, but so that the kingdom is advanced, Father, that so that anybody that comes across us is going to get some Jesus on them. Amen. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you that you are the God of miracles. I thank you, Father, that as we, uh, as we appropriate what you have for us tonight, that we will walk in victory, Father, where we have been, where we've been shaken. Father, we gain ground. Where we've given up ground, we gain it back. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right, you guys can be seated. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Well, what I want to talk to you guys tonight, um, we covered this in my class and trained Bible college, and boy, we sure had a good time talking about it, but I want to uh, go into some depth about it. It's been something that uh, since God has started to illuminate in this, in my life, 
I said, man, I got to get some more of that. Just a taste of it. Man, have you ever just tasted something? It's like, oh, man, I've got to get some more of that. So this is starting to become really, really real. Starting to become really real in my own life. And as I coach and uh, teach and mentor younger ministers and people that are coming up in the faith and in ministry and exercising and growing in their gifts, I always say, listen, if you're going to get up there in the pulpit, do not ever share anything that's not real to you. Don't get up there and try to teach somebody else's stuff because it sounded good to you and you want to, and you want to share this latest heavy revy. Don't get up there and try to share anything that is not real to you. And praise God, what we're going to talk about tonight has really started to grow inside of me. It's changed how I go about my day. It's changed how I handle my life at home. It's changed how I conduct my business. It's changed it's changed everything. Amen. And I thank you, thank you, Lord, that it just continues to grow in me. And Father, I thank you that that same spark is ignited in these people tonight, both those that are here with us physically, but also those that are joining us online. Father, I thank you, Lord, that this is your word that you desire that we know and that we walk in so that we can be what it is you see when you look at us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So in Colossians chapter 3, now, this is the Apostle Paul, and he is starting with chapter 3 to unpack temporal truths. The first two chapters are um, positional truths. In um, He talks about, so basically the book of Colossians is to come against the idea of Gnosticism. And so Gnosticism basically says that knowledge is salvation, and so in that um, they, they, these people believed, and really you're seeing a rise of it even now, is that knowledge is salvation. The more that you know, the more that you're saved. And it's not even a spiritual thing at all. But what these people believed was that what your soul and your body do are two separate things. And so your soul, if your soul's okay, it doesn't really matter what your body does. You can either subject it to extreme asceticism, which is to just really punish your body, discipline it, bring it under, uh, just deny it. And so you get into all kinds of error in that way. That's where you get into uh, monks that meditate for months. I read an article where this, these monks were able to meditate and slowly wean themselves off food so much that they mummify themselves. Well, that's where you get into error like that. That's where you get into all kinds of extreme doctrine is to separate your soul from your body and you figure, well, what my mind and my body do are two separate things. Well, the Gnostics decided that Jesus wasn't fully God because if soul and body are separate, then Jesus could not be God in the body. So therefore, they discounted Jesus as God. And so Paul combats that and he says, no, Jesus was very much God. He was the fullness of God bodily here on the earth. So Jesus is God. Not only that, he's the head of the church. And we are baptized into his death, into his burial, into his resurrection. Baptism just means that we're inducted into, we're initiated into. The Western mind and religious thinking tends to direct, go immediately to water baptism. But what he's saying is you're initiated into the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Hallelujah. So when we get to chapter 3, praise God, he's talking to believers. How many people are believers here tonight? Amen. Hallelujah. So chapter 3, verse 1. If you then be risen with Christ. Now, does anybody's Bible have different phrasing than that? What does yours say? 
No, we're in uh, Colossians chapter 3. So it says, if ye then be risen with Christ, is what it says in the King James. But I'm telling you, that's a mistranslation. You should mark out if and write since. Since, since you then be risen with Christ. You can mark out be risen since you have been, since you are, since you were raised with Christ. Seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection is what the King James says, but what he's talking about is your mind. Put your focus on things above, not on things on the earth. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Now that seems kind of a paradox or a contradiction, but what he's saying is you are dead, and it's morally speaking, you, now that you are with Christ, baptized into his death, burial, and resurrection, you are dead to what uh, lures you in the world, you are dead to those things that would attra- used to attract you when you were a part of the world. But you are dead to those things. And as a matter of fact, your recreated spirit, your life, is hidden with Christ. You are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Praise the Lord. Now, when I first read that, something jumped out at me. And I'm telling you, is if you spend any time studying the Word of God and something jumps out at you, that's the Holy Spirit getting your attention. You need to stop there and you need to start digging. Get your dictionary out. Get your concordance out. Get your study tools out. When the Holy Spirit stops you and catches your attention, that means you need to stop and study. And you need to start digging. Amen. So when I was reading this one night, this jumped out at me. He said, when Christ, who is our life, praise the Lord, in Christ we're made alive. Isn't that right? It was God's plan, but Christ carried it out. And because of the faith of Christ, praise God, we live. Amen. So we have that eternal life, that zoe, that's life as God has it. Praise God. How many can agree that God has life? God is the source of all life. As a matter of fact, the account of the creation, when God formed man from the dirt, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of lives, that zoe, that spirit life, directly from the source of life. Praise God, and Christ is made life unto us. Christ is our life shall appear. That word appear means visibly seen. Visibly, not figuratively or metaphorically or esoterically or some kind of ethereal thing we're somewhere out there and it's a great idea and isn't isn't it pleasant to think about when Christ visibly returns it's talking about the return of Christ the second advent when Christ who is our life shall visibly return, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Guess what that word is when it talks about you and me? As Christ visibly returns, when the source of life, our life, spirit life, eternal life, abundant life, zoe life, God life, is hidden in Christ, when Jesus Christ returns and visibly appears, we shall also be made manifest with him in glory when Jesus Christ returns and we see him we are changed into our glorified bodies 
Praise God. Hallelujah. I said when Jesus is revealed, when he returns and he's visibly seen, we will be seen with him. We will be changed into our glorified bodies upon the return of Christ. Amen? Praise the Lord. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. This is the first time I've taught out of this Bible. The print is much smaller. My other Bible is a large print. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Praise the Lord. I'm going to build a case here, and by the end of it, we'll be shouting hallelujah and be running around this place. Is that all right with you guys? Praise the Lord. Some of you need to. Looks like you need to shake off the naps. All right. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, this is Paul addressing um, skeptics as to the validity of his ministry. Him and his leadership team, those that have gone out and are are, uh, proclaiming to be apostles chosen by Christ. And so there were skeptics and they were trying to plant seeds of division and saying he's not really who he says he is. He's not an authority on the subject. So Paul says in verse 1 of chapter 3, do we begin to again uh, commend ourselves or need we as some others letters of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? He said, what do you want? A letter of, of recommendation? You need to see my resume? You need somebody uh, that you respect to sign off on that? And he goes on, he said, we don't need that. Uh, Verse 3, for as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit, that's capital S, the Holy Spirit, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tablets of stone, but in fleshly tablets of the heart. Praise God. So he goes on in in, uh, verse 5, he says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves. So basically switching gears here. He said, I could defend myself by simply presenting those who follow this doctrine. And you can look at their lives and see what I'm saying holds weight. Amen. So when you get to verse 5, he's switching gears and he's going to start teaching something here. He says, not that we're sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God who also has made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. For if the ministration of death, that's what he's talk, that's how he refers to the law, the Mosaic law. <coughs> Let me take a drink here. I'm already dry mouth. Now, that's some pretty serious business because he's talking to people that are adherent unto do's and don'ts. They're ate up with performance. They're ate up with behavior modification. Sound familiar? All right. He said, but if the ministration of death, that's what he's talking, that's how he refers to the law of Moses, the rules, the regulations. But if the ministration of death and engraving in stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. He says, now, the ministration of death was so glorious. Now, it is glorious. People want to say, boo, law, hiss, 
but it's actually the holy standard of God. It's so holy, it was meant to be so holy, it was unattainable. It was so that we could see that we cannot attain this standard. In and of itself, the law is glory. It's the glory of God. As a matter of fact, it is the glory of God so that we could see we fall short and we need someone to do it on our behalf. Amen. So the administration of death had so much glory that when Moses came down from the mountain, his face shone so brightly that it freaked the people out. His face shone so brightly it was brighter than the sun. Amen. So it freaked the people out. There's like, if you could cover up, that would be great. So Paul, I mean, uh, Moses covers his face because of the glory of the old covenant. The law, it was so glorious he couldn't reveal himself. He had to cover himself up. In verse 8, how shall not the ministration of spirit be even more glorious? The law was so glorious they couldn't look at him. The law was so glorious he shined brighter than the sun. The law was so glorious he had to veil his face because people couldn't stand to look at him. How much more is the ministration of life? How much more glorious? Amen. All right. You guys are chewing on it. All right. For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more does the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. Hallelujah. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excels. Now, I realize I'm reading King James is a little wordy. But what he's saying is, in comparison, the old glory, which was so glorious you couldn't look at it, in comparison to the new glory, isn't glory at all. In comparison, there is no glory. Now, we know that there is because he shone bright, had to cover himself up. But in comparison, the new ministration of the Spirit is so glorious, the old stuff doesn't even shine at all. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. The new and better covenant that we enjoy. Amen? It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. That's why in Galatians, Paul goes off and calls them fools. As a matter of fact, he uses some pretty strong language. He's really getting in their face. How could you be bewitched into going back to the law when in comparison has no glory at all compared to the new covenant, compared to the glory that is in the ministration of the Spirit. All right? I'm building up. I'm building up. I'm going up somewhere here. Uh, For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remains is glorious, seeing then that we have such hope. Now, that word hope in Scripture means confident expectation. It doesn't mean, oh, I hope so. That's what we tend to think in Western thinking because the devil has perverted this word. Perversion means that there is an element of truth, but you've either either added to or taken away from, and so you've distorted it, and now you've made it untrue. Things sound really good, but they're not God many, many times. So the devil has hijacked that word hope, but in Scripture, hope means confident expectation. But not only that, beyond or against the laws of nature, making it supernatural. So, Verse 12, seeing then that we have such supernatural, even in the face of the laws of nature, so majestic is our confident expectation. Another way to say confident expectation is we believe it. Amen. 
Seeing then that we believe this truth, we use great plainness of speech. He said, I don't have to try to hide it. I don't have to try to talk you into it. I don't have to try to make it some kind of riddle. I can say with great boldness that the spirit of life is full of the glory of God. Amen. And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished, but their minds were blinded, for until this day remains the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ, hallelujah, but even unto this day when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. What he's saying is, they could not look upon the face of Moses and he put a veil over his face. They continued to focus on the law and did not notice when Moses removed the veil. They were so focused on the ministration of death, which was meant to point toward Christ, which was meant for us to recognize our need for a Savior because we could not uphold and live up to the glory of God in our fallen nature. They did not notice that the glory had faded, which is a shadow of things to come, that it would pass away, that the new would come, the new ministration of life in the Spirit. So they were so focused on the law, they didn't notice that the glory had faded from Moses' face, and he didn't continue to wear a veil anymore. But since they were focused on the law, the veil on their hearts remained. You guys remember the story of when Moses received the Ten Commandments? He was hidden in the cleft of the rock. He said, God, show me your glory. And God said, I can't, I can't lay it on you fully like that. It'll kill you. So what I'll do is I'll hide you in the rock, which is a type of Christ. Our life is hidden in Christ. And once we see that, the glory of the Lord shines upon us. Amen. All right, we're going to keep going. Praise the Lord. So... They did not notice that the glory had faded from Moses' face because they continued to focus upon the ministration of death. And I'm here to tell you that there are many, many, many Christians who still are focused upon legalism and focused upon behavior modification and do not see Christ and do not see that the glory is not on them. And do not see that the glory is not on their legalism. That's what Galatians is all about. Paul said, how could you be duped into this? Why would you go back to the ministration of death and focus on do's and don'ts and behavior modification? Why would you go back to the law when the glory is not there anymore? But by and large, most... I said it, most of Christendom is focused on the Old Covenant. And I'll give you one more. You guys understand that the Old Covenant, the law of Moses, never applied to Gentiles anyway. Why are we so focused on a covenant that never applied to us? Unless you're Jewish. But I'm not Jewish. And I don't think Jeff is Jewish. And I don't think Bob is Jewish. So the law, this covenant never applied to us to begin with, the, it's amazing the covenant that we're most familiar with never applied to us. 
Amen. Amen. So, praise God. As we keep going. Now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, praise God, there is freedom. Hallelujah. So, as we keep reading, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed. When we get our focus off of legalism, when we get our focus off of behavior modification, when we get our focus back onto Christ, the spirit of life, the spirit results in freedom and the glory returns. We are changed into the same image from glory to glory. Hallelujah. What triggers the change? You see him. That's what triggers the change. You see Christ when you get your sight off of yourself. That's what legalism does. Your focus is on you, even though you're trying to discipline your flesh, even though you're trying to morally have a a true north compass, even though you're trying to behave better than someone else, even though you're trying to check off the don't do this and do do that, even though you're trying to behave the very best way that you can. If your life is focused on do's and don'ts, your focus is on you. That's why our own righteousness and our own attempts at making ourselves clean and holy and pure Our efforts to behave better or modify what we do and don't do is focused on ourselves. That's why it's putrid to God. But when we see Christ, we're trying to change ourselves when we're looking at ourselves. How can you change yourself by looking at yourself? If you need to change, change must come without. All this psychobabble, you can change yourself, is false. That's the enemy trying to convince you that you can be your own God. That's what that is. That's self-worship. That's idolatry. You're worshiping yourself. You're focused on your own behavior and what you do or don't do. That's why you remain unchanged. That's why the cycle continues. That's why you can't overcome. That's why you continue to fall to temptation. That's why you continue to have sickness in your body. That's why you continue to fall to the curse of poverty. That's why you continue to struggle with depression. That's why those things happen is because you continue to focus on you, that glory is gone the glory is not there when you focus upon Christ then the change comes we are changed by seeing Christ amen praise the Lord praise God so we're changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the spirit of the Lord praise God let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I'm going to show you something here. You you guys may have already known this, but praise God we're going to rejoice in it anyway. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing over and over and over again. 
I don't know about you guys, but I've studied some things, and then the Lord has moved me on to some other things to study, and then I'm reminded of something I've studied before, and praise God, it's fresh and new again. Anybody ever experienced that before? You move on, you're studying something else, and praise God, you you see something you, that you'd studied before, and holy moly, oh, praise God, this is amazing, and then he starts to show you even more, and it never stops. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's one thing I tell the Bible school students is you're not finished by any means once they graduate this college. You're not finished by any means, but now you have all the tools necessary to be a Bible student the rest of your life. Praise God. Thank you, thank you, Lord, that this Word is alive. Literally, it is the Spirit of God in print. It is alive and it is powerful and it's able to bring life to your body. Amen. Praise the Lord. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, that's one book to the right of Colossians. For those of you that don't have tabs in their Bible. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I want to show you some stuff here. Now, in context, the Thessalonians were worried that the people that had already died will miss the rapture. Okay? They said, well, if our, if our people are already dead, then they won't be around to be taken up with Christ upon the rapture, upon the return of Christ. So that's what Paul's talking about here. He said in verse 13, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Now, he uses the word asleep because when you pass away and you are a believer, your body goes into the ground, but your spirit goes into heaven. You have not received your glorified body yet. Your body remains in the ground, but your spirit goes in to be with the Lord. So that's why he calls it asleep. He says, which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, who believes that Jesus died and rose again? Praise God, me too. Hallelujah. Even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. He's talking about Jesus. Will bring with Jesus. When Christ returns, so do all the people that have already died. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. The word in King James says prevent, but what that means is go ahead of or go before them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. The Lord, Jesus Christ, will see him. We will see him descend. It will be visible. Amen. When the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So when Jesus returns, you remember we read that in Colossians chapter 3, when he visibly returns upon the return of Christ, those that have already died before us will return with him, and they will enter back into and be resurrected. They'll be resurrected in their new glorified body. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. That means literally caught up. We will ascend in the same way, in the same manner that Christ ascended. You know why? Because Jesus Christ was the firstborn among many brethren. There had to be a man that did it first. Jesus was an example of us. Jesus was, was an example of the spirit-filled man full of eternal life, 
void of the sin nature, and in his glorified body, he ascended as a man, fully God, but fully man. And so he was resurrected from the dead the same way that we will be. It says very clearly right there, we will be resurrected in the same way that Jesus did. And we will ascend into the heavens in the same way that Jesus did. All these movies that say car crashes and plane crashes and where all the Christians go, that is not true. It's not a matter of half of everyone disappearing. It's not like Thanos snapped his fingers and half the world is gone. We don't blip. For you guys that are Marvel fans, I got got an amen right there. Praise the Lord. We will be resurrected. If I die before Christ returns, I will return with him and be resurrected in the same way that he was resurrected from the dead. Praise God, and I will receive a glorified body, and people will watch me and watch you ascend into heaven in the very same way people watched Jesus Christ ascend into the heavens. Hallelujah. We'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another in these words. Hallelujah! When we see Christ, we're changed. Amen? You want some more? All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Take another swig while you guys are turning. As long as I hear pages flipping, I got time to take a drink. All right, you guys there? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we'll start in verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. And the word mystery in the Greek is mysterion. And he's talking to the Greek mind. The Greek mind is very, very interested in mystery because what that means is not just, uh, mm, uh, it doesn't mean, oh, I wonder what it is. Mystery means, in this context, secret knowledge available to members only. So this is secret secret society type stuff where we still have that stuff today. The Skull and Bones and the Bilderberg Group and, the, you know, all the secret, the Illuminati and whatever, whatever secret society you want to think of. That's, the Greeks love that stuff. And so he's saying, I, I'm going to give you, he's like, hey, I'm going to let you guys in on some members only top secret stuff. And they're like, oh, yeah, let me get it. He said, behold, I show you a, mis- a mystery. We shall not all sleep. You guys remember we just saw in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 those who that are asleep. He's talking about dying, physically dying. He said, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Hallelujah. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, praise God. Again, it's not that half of us disappear in the twinkling of an eye. Movies love to say that. Books love to say that. People love to propagate that, but it's not what happens. We're changed in the twinkling of an eye. Instantly, as a matter of fact, in the twinkling of an eye, when you study that out, mathematically they say that um, you can only divide something in half so many times and eventually you run out of things to divide. But this is saying infinitely 
indivisible. So beyond what you can ever accomplish in the natural as far as mathematically, that's how fast we are changed. We're changed so quickly that there's no way to even measure the amount of time because it's infinitely divisible. It's that small of the amount of time. Instantly, we are changed. Praise God. And when are we changed? At the last trump. What trump do you think he's talking about? The return of Christ. At the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. That's what we just saw in 1 Thessalonians. Is the dead will return with Christ upon the last trump and the mighty shout of the archangel. And praise God, we'll all see Christ. And the dead will rise first, just like Jesus rose first. And when we see Christ, we're changed. Literally, it's we see him and that's what produces the change. We physically put eyes upon him. We see Christ, and we're instantly changed. Praise God. And we shall be changed, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and mortal must put on immortality. So then, so when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall we, then shall be brought to pass, this is very small print, I'm sorry. This shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Praise God. Praise God. That's the culmination to the story. It's the climax. It's the very end. If you want to, I'm the type of guy that when you get a new book, you flip to the end of the book to, and read the last page to see how it ends, and then you read. I, I just like to do that. My wife gives me a hard time, and she's giving me the scrunchy face right now, even when I'm talking about it. But that's the end of the book. That's the end. Praise God. Death is swallowed up. In the same way that death could not maintain its grip on Christ, death cannot maintain its grip on you. Praise God. Death is swallowed up in victory. The sting of sin, or the sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, beloved... Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Praise God. So, when we see Christ, we are physically changed. What triggers the change? Seeing Christ. Go back to Colossians chapter 3. What does he say right here in Colossians chapter 3 verse 4? When Christ, who is our life, he says, since you have been, since you were raised, since this is talking about you, since Jesus is God and he saved you, since Jesus brought new life, since you are alive in Christ, since you were raised with Christ, who is that? That's me. How about you? Since you're born again, since you've been raised to newness of life, Verse 4 says, when Christ, who is our life, shall visibly return, when we see him, we will be changed into the image of him. You shall appear with him in glory. Praise God. 1 John 3, let's look at that real quick. Lest you think it's just some crazy rantings by one guy. The Apostle John 
says the very same thing. 1 John 3, verse 2. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. Appear means visibly seen. It, what do you think he's talking about? It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he, who do you think he's talking about? Jesus. When he shall appear, we shall be like him. When we see Christ, we will be changed. The Apostle John says the very same thing. There's two witnesses. So let a thing be established. Praise God. We, uh, when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Praise God. And every man that has this hope, this confident expectation, even in the face of natural law, this supernatural belief. You know, faith, when the Bible says that faith is, is the evidence of things hoped for and the substance of things not seen. Faith is the supernatural ability to believe the supernatural. The plan of God is so amazing and so perfect and so precise and so beautiful and so simple and so amazing and so beautiful in every way and so perfect and so infinitely wise and just it's so incredible that we can't even physically wrap our heads around it. It takes a supernatural miracle of God to even believe it. That's what faith is. Faith is the miraculous ability to believe in the supernatural. So that makes it the way we prove it and the proof itself. It's the substance of things hoped for. It's what we believe. It's what makes what we believe real right now. And it's the evidence. It's the proof. Amen. So he says, uh, so basically every man, okay, verse 3, chapter 3, verse 3, 1 John. And every man that has this supernatural belief, even in the face of all natural law, this miraculous ability to believe in him purifies himself even as he is pure. Praise God. So when we think about Colossians chapter 3, let's go back there. But Jesse, we were just there. You'll be all right. Colossians chapter 3. So in verse 4, when he says, When Christ is who our life shall, is our life shall visibly return, then shall we also be made manifest with him in glory. Praise God. So verse 5 is what to do with this information. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth fornication, uncleanness. Now, uncleanness has to do with sexual sin. And it's talking about homosexuality and lesbianism in the, same, in the same breath as it's talking about bestiality and incest. It all falls under this same word. Uncleanness, inordinate affection. You know, you can have inordinate affection with your spouse. That means uh, passionate lust. That means overtaken with a, a fleshly desire. You can have that in a marriage. That can cause problems. You know why? Because you're not focused on Christ. You're focused on yourself. So, Mortify yourselves, therefore, to uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence. That means just running around wild. And covetousness, which is idolatry. Now, that's talking about um, wanting more, not because you need it, because someone else has more than you do. 
That's specifically talking about socialism and communism, which is idolatry. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. For which things, for which things sake the wrath of God comes on the children of disobedience. And that word children means one who is uh, connected to. Uh, disobedience, and that means um, obstinance or um, unbelief. So what I'm saying is this. Because our life is hidden with Christ, and because we know that when we see him, we will be physically changed, we know that in the meantime, in chapter 3, verse uh, 2, set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. What he's saying is, when you focus on Christ, when you focus on who Jesus is, when you focus on what's true about Christ... Now, you understand in 1 John, he says, as he is, so are we in this world. So in the spirit realm, what's true of Christ is true of you. When you focus on Christ, you are changed in this world, and you are able to mortify your body and walk away from these things that are listed here. You cannot do these things on your own power. Otherwise, you're focused on the law again, and you're not looking at Christ. You're looking at yourself. What he's saying is focus on Christ. When you see Jesus, it will change you. When you see Jesus, you will see what's true of you. You will be changed. When you see Jesus, you are changed. Your spirit has already been resurrected into newness of life. But when you see Jesus through the Scripture, when you set your mind and your affection and your focus and your attention on Jesus Christ, it changes your mind. And I got news for you. When your mind and your spirit are in alignment, your body is outvoted. So when you see Christ, you are changed. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. When you see Christ as holy... Whoa, Jesse, whoa, we were having a good time until you said that. When you see Jesus as holy, you'll begin to see yourself as holy. Holy means set apart for a godly purpose. That's what that means. That means that you're not like the world. You come out from the world. You're no longer asleep, and you appear to be dead. If you're asleep, you look dead, so no one can even tell you've been born again. But I'm telling you, when you focus on Christ and see that he is holy, and as he is, so am I in this world. If Jesus is holy, so am I. That causes me to wake up and be, I'm changed, I'm made holy. When I look at Jesus Christ, I'm made holy. I'm already holy in my spirit, but my mind starts to grab a hold of this truth, and then I become holy in this natural realm, and people that see me see Christ. And then it starts all over again because in Colossians chapter 1, he says, I'll show you a mystery. Same word. I got some members only top secret info for you. And they said, lay it on me. He said, when you see Christ in me, that brings the hope in you. Christ in us, the hope of glory. When you see Jesus as never having a sick day, you know why? Because he had no sin nature. Sickness is a result of sin. Sin entered the world, and so death by sin ruled. 
Sickness is death to a lesser degree. It's a taste of death. Jesus had no sin nature. Jesus never had a sick day. When you see Jesus as whole and healthy, you see yourself as whole and healthy. When you see Jesus, you're changed. Your mind sides with your spirit. And what you see is true of Christ becomes true of you. When your mind sides with your spirit, your body has to come in line. It's outvoted. It's forced to submission. It won't like it. And it'll scream and holler and it'll protest. But I'm telling you, it has to submit. When you see Jesus as whole and healed, full of the life of God, without sickness of any degree, any taste of death, Jesus is sickness free. You see yourself as sickness free. Sickness free. You see Christ and you're changed. You see Christ and you stop being sick. Amen. You start seeing Jesus as full of peace and joy. You stop being depressed. Because as he is, so are you. As he is, so am I. When I see Jesus, it changes me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. When I see Jesus be able to exercise demons and speak to the wind and the waves, so can I. I saw Jesus do it. I can do it too. You know why? Because I'm in Christ. My life is hidden in Christ. So is, as he is, so am I in this world. Jesus knew who he was. I see Jesus, and I'm changed into the image of Jesus. I've gone from glory where my focus was on me to glory. And in comparison, the first had no glory at all. As a matter of fact, it's the ministration of death. If I continue to focus on myself, I will continue to not see Jesus. I will continue to be separated from the mind of Christ. I will continue to walk in those things that Jesus paid the price that I no longer walk in. If I'm experiencing sickness or poverty or disease, it's because I'm not looking at Jesus I'm telling you, it's all-encompassing. Jesus, when you look at Jesus, you think, well, clearly Jesus is not an addict. Well, I used to be an addict until I saw Jesus, Christ in me, the supernatural belief that Christ in me brings about glory in me. Jesus is not an addict. I see Jesus in me. I'm not an addict. Jesus is more than an overcomer. I see Jesus in me. I am more than an overcomer. Jesus was able to do the miraculous. Je uh, here's one. Here's one. You'll like this. You know, money was no issue for Jesus. Him and Peter, they're the only ones old enough to pay the temple tax. Peter said, well, I don't have it. You got it? And Jesus said, throw a line in the water. And he pulled up the fish with enough money in the fish's mouth to pay the tax. Jesus is not concerned about finances because God is his father. God, God is his father. That means God is my father. I see Jesus as wealthy. I see Jesus as without lack. I see Jesus as having plenty. I see Jesus as being completely unconcerned 
with money. When I see Jesus in me, I'm unconcerned with money. Nobody liked that one. You th- are, yes or no, you think Jesus is concerned with money? No, that's a resounding unanimous no. If you see Jesus in yourself, you will not be concerned with money. Amen? I'm telling you, when you vocalize the word amen, it's not so I feel better that you agree with me. It's so that you are coming in agreement with what's coming forth. When you say amen, you've hooked your faith up to the truth that's coming forth. If you see Jesus set free from the... He was never ensnared by it, as a matter of fact. He was never ensnared by the love of money. Never fell to temptation to temptation to worry about finance. Never one time. Never. When I see Jesus in me, then the love of money falls off of me. I'm telling you, people are rich because they love money, and people are poor because they love money. And on top of that, poverty is a result of the curse which Jesus died to do away with. So either way, I see Jesus. I stop being poor. Three people. Thank you. All right. Write that one down. Go home and chew on that one. That's a heavy one. Amen? When I see the love of Christ, I see Christ in me, I'm able to walk in love. Oh, Jesse, take it easy, man. Love and money? I'm telling you, when you focus on Christ, you will be changed. It will change you. The reason you're not being changed is because you're not looking at Jesus. It's really that easy. Well, let me rephrase. It's that simple. It's very, very simple, but it's not easy. Amen? Simply focus on Christ, and you will be changed. The Word says it in many places by more than one, peop- more than one person. And as I was speaking it on the inside of you, the, the, the Spirit of God bore witness in your spirit. As it was coming forth, you know what I'm saying is true. I'm telling you, you start to get a hold of this, and you won't be sick. You won't be poor. You won't be depressed. As a matter of fact, you'll be more than a conqueror. You'll be the head and not the tail. Your name will hold great weight. Now, wherever you go, there will be people lined up to help you out. There will be people that were lined up to give unto your bosom because you've given unto them. That's how all that works. When you focus on Christ, it changes you. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for revelation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we're able to see Christ face to face. That we're able to fully look upon him face to face. Thank you, Lord. What an amazing thing that we're able to look at our Creator. What an amazing thing that, we're, that God's desire is to know us. That the Creator desires to know His creation. Holy Spirit, we want to see Jesus. We want to see more of Jesus. And Father, I repent. I repent. 
Forgive me for focusing on myself. Forgive me for those times that where my focus was not on Christ. Forgive me for all those times that I walked in confusion and couldn't understand why things weren't coming together according to your word, all the while focusing on myself. Forgive me for walking in willful ignorance. I know better, Lord. I've seen it in your word. Forgive me, Father. And Holy Spirit, thank you for the empowering grace to turn from it. Thank you, Lord, for your empowering grace to turn from sin, that I'm no longer a slave to it, but I have the choice, and I choose today to turn from it. I choose to remove my focus from myself. I choose to remove my focus from my circumstance and the, what's going on in my life. I Instead, I choose to focus on Jesus, and I allow myself to be changed. And, Father, I embrace this truth that I'm being, being changed from glory to glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, as we wrap up tonight, we're going to have ministers up at the front. And if you have any need at all, you want to be born again, you want to see Jesus for the first time, or you want to rededicate yourself, my focus has been on myself, and you want to refocus on Christ, or you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, praise God, and speak in tongues, then we'll have ministers up here that would love to pray for you. But if you have any need, if you want to just somebody have somebody join with an agreement with you that you're able to change your focus, and remain steadfast, unshakable, because your focus is upon the Lord, rooted and grounded. Amen. Anything at all, we're going to have ministers up here that want to pray with you. And with that, you guys are dismissed.